You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. This is East Carolina All-American Brian Packard, and we're talking Pirate Baseball and the Sports Objective. You're listening to Extra Innings, presented by Next Level Training Center on the Sports Objective. Join us every Sunday night on Facebook Live and our YouTube channel as we talk East Carolina baseball. As we look back at the previous week and take a look at what's ahead. Now, let's talk Pirate Baseball. Welcome into the Sports Objective. It's Extra Innings. It's Sunday night. Happy Easter to everyone. Glad to have you. Extra Innings brought to you by Next Level Training Center. In fact, you can just simply go to their website, nextleveltc.com, or call them 252-756-NEXT. Welcome to the guys. Kyle from the Grange Barber. Happy Easter to you. Here comes Peter Cottontail hopping down the bunny trail. Um, what's going on, Dave, Bubba, Matt? How y'all doing? Doing well. And, um, you know, it was just exactly the week that the Pirates needed. Um, starting things off with a 13-9 win over the Wolfpack and then carried that momentum into Thursday and Friday uh, and a couple of dominant wins over UCF in the doubleheader and then found a way in the 12-inning victory on Friday. No doubt about it, guys. It was uh, def- definitely what the doctor ordered. You know, there's no place like home, like Dorothy said, and you have literally, we talked about it last week, an eight-game homestand, and you'd like to think you can go 8-0. Oh, well, we're halfway there. We we swept this week 4-0, oh, and hey, Matt, how about the win over the Wolfpack to start things off? A great uh, win, and JC getting three home runs on Tuesday night. Yeah, that was awesome, and you know, I, I really enjoyed the the offensive uh, fireworks display this week because, you know, as you watch these Carolinas throughout the course of the season, you know, we're, we're a team that, you know, the, the pitching staff really jumps out of you. We have the ability to win close, low-scoring games. But for me personally, I was looking forward to some to some offensive fireworks and really enjoyed that performance against, performance against NC State where the bats came alive. And then obviously it continued, you know, throughout the course of the weekend on, on, uh, for the double header on Friday. So, um, you know, it was fun to watch guys. And, you know, if you look at the number of runs scored this week, we had 44 runs scored the week prior, only 16. So, um, you know, what a difference there. It really is. And guys with the, uh, we, we've always been talking about the pitching, pitching, pitching being good. But the offense came back, and to be four and zero, and now the record is twenty four and eight. And Bubba, um, I'm not a stats guy, but I know we're twenty and two at home, twenty wins, two losses. So uh, really happy to see us uh, win the first week, and now we got to win the second week. We'll be talking about that later on with the matchups with Old Dominion uh, on Tuesday night, and this weekend will be um, Cincinnati, my birthday weekend. So we got to we got to win this week. It's my birthday week, guys. We got to win. Yeah, we took care of business at Clark LeClaire, um, and, and we've done so this year, as you mentioned, 20-2 and two now. The lone defeats were 3-2 to two to Long Beach State and then the loss to UNC Wilmington in the midweek. But yeah, that was the, the, the best thing about last week is seeing the bats come alive, like Matt said, scoring 44 runs, not what you what you wanted um, in game three um, for – from a run production standpoint, 
<laughs> you, you left 19 runners on base and yeah, the game went 12 innings, but even in nine innings, uh, we had left 15 on through nine and left the, left the bases loaded three times and just, you're hoping that that was not going to come back to bite us once again, but um, you know, Justin Wilcoxon came up with a big hit there to win it in the bottom of the 12th. But then going back to the game against NC State, uh, you know, that was a back and forth affair. But then you had Jay Hunter who came in there. I want to say it was, I want to say it was uh, maybe with a couple outs in the fifth. He went the last four and a third or something like that. Um, an excellent performance by Jake. They didn't score against him until uh, there in the ninth when we had the 13-7 lead, and then they hit a two-run bomb. But uh, J.C., after going 0 for 2, um, he went back to back to back in his final three at-bats against the Wolfpack, and, uh, man, that was electric. Oh, my goodness. It was incredible. In fact, uh... <clears throat> the last time we had a hat track hat trick, meaning three home runs in a game was what, Bubba, 2008? It's been a while. Yeah, it was back um pirate catcher Corey Kemp. Um he was the last one to do it, and now JJC, he became the, the fifth pirate to do that all time to hit three home runs in a single game. And uh, and he wasn't the only one. Uh, you, you, as far as uh hitting home runs on Tuesday night against NC State, and the Pirates had six home runs. Um, you also you also had Star hit one, uh, Joey Barini, and I'm trying to remember the other. Yeah, what a display! I mean, JJC's back eyes was electric that night, and you could tell the the the, the second the ball came off the bat, you knew it was a home run. What a, what a, what a swing he has! I mean, it's like. It's like a uh, you know textbook swing uh, w- when he's hitting the ball well, and you know it, it was awesome to see him break out. And then at the same time, you know you hate to see him get injured because he's a guy that he was literally on fire, right, Kyle? I mean, you have a guy that he's working all season to get to a point where he's at the top of his game, he's on fire, and then all of a sudden he gets that injury. Yeah, Jay uh, JJC's bat was coming alive and. Bad timing for the injury. Uh, bad timing for that kind of injury. Period. Yeesh. Uh, good. That's something I. Ne- that's an injury I've never seen. To I mean, I mean, you, you've seen the injury, but not a, a batter fouling the ball. Uh, you know, uh, off his testicles. Like, all right, what? What in the world? Like, you, you, you know what? But uh, bubble. Um, back in two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. Um, I was playing a little yard baseball and uh, with my eyesight, this should not surprise anybody. Um, ball was being thrown to me and I didn't catch him. He hit me right in the nuts. And my, <laughs> my left nut swelled up about the size of an orange. And uh, I didn't have to have surgery, but I did have to go to the hospital. I don't remember what all they did. Gave me maybe steroids or something. It, it's, it came down. This one came down, but it hurt bad. Mm. So it, it, I've had a similar injury. Um, but no, uh, I um, I, good news is it sounds like he'll only be out a couple of weeks, so yeah, that's, it's not going to be a prolonged thing. Yeah, that's the good news. The, the surgery that J- JC had to have was successful, and and um, he's going to be out probably at least a couple of weeks. But uh, that's much better than it could have been. Um, so, you know, thoughts and prayers to to JC. But the good news is that uh, 
you know, he, he should be back sooner rather than later, probably the end of the month or maybe early May. Uh, we, we shall see. Yeah, that was uh, that was tough. But the thing that I'm happy about is that if it, if it is going to happen, it would only be two weeks and not like a season ending injury. That would really suck. Yeah, it's, it, you, you don't you don't want to get you, you don't want to get hurt there because that hurts, but much better than a knee injury or anything like that. Yeah, definitely. And like the thing you hate for him and 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 Cliff and the whole team is that you know baseball is such a timing game, you know, and, and you work to get your swing just right, and you might catch fire like that a few times throughout the course of a season, and you just hope when the two weeks is up and he comes back, he's able to you know, get back to that form right away. I mean, you really hope that for him because you just you just had the feeling that he was just getting to the point now where he was going to start to explode, you know, on a day-in and day-out basis. And uh, so, so hey, fingers crossed, guys, that he's uh, – it's a quick recovery. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, you, you look at um, – and this totally just popped in my head and it's really not what we're talking about, but I'm going to bring it up because it just came to my mind and what comes up comes out. Um, not so much about JJC, but talk about having him. But I'll, I'll tie it in. Talk about having him back within a couple of weeks. You got Cincinnati this weekend. Who do we have the following weekend? Wichita State. Wichita. Okay. NC so, State would be two weeks. Yeah. So, you know, this conference RPI wise, and we, we we can't afford to lose too many conference games. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to start winning some road games, particularly some midweek road yeah. games. Um, no one to make sure our RPI stand, stay strong. But uh, th- this league, the RPI is so freaking bad. You, you, and and JGC being, being out is what made me think of this. You you, you can't afford to lose any series. I, I really – I think about one more series loss is about all we can afford, in my opinion, to guarantee ourselves a hosting spot. Yeah, by the way, did you guys see what I sent in our group text uh, earlier? Uh, they have us playing right now. The uh, D1 baseball has us playing in the Bowie's Creek region as a two seed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that could happen. But, you know, there's a lot of baseball between now and then. And, oh, Cam- yeah. and Campbell, Campbell's done well in their midweeks. And, but their, their conference RPI isn't going to help them either. Yeah, they have a Campbell, East Carolina, Duke, and Columbia. Yeah, I, I doubt it's going to play out that way, but we'll see. Yeah, there's a lot of baseball. I, I think um, unless we have a – Complete, complete. I mean, I, I think we've got to win the conference. I don't know necessarily you have to win the tournament, but it'll be great to win the tournament, um, especially if you want to uh, get a national seed. It's going to be really difficult if they um, they start tripping up especially I, I, down I, the season. I think it's entirely possible that East Carolina and Campbell both host. Yep. I agree 100%. I think that when you look at Campbell, it's not – and for fans that don't know anything about baseball, again, there's a stereotype, not a stereotype, but like Campbell is a really good program. And, you know, it's like with uh, basketball and baseball, um, we have like a natural rivalry with them. And Justin Harris done such a great job at Bowie's Creek that that program is only get better. So you can get used to them being a top 25 program um, every year. So as long as he's there, I think they're going to be that good. I think he'll eventually probably get hired away, but uh, they're good. But as we talk about the, you know, this week, yeah. this past week, um, did you want to say something about Campbell, Bubba? I was actually going to take it back to this week in that NC State game. Um, I was rattling off some of those guys that had hit homers, and um, 
obviously it was more in the middle and late innings that we had our offensive explosion. But you had um, Josh Moreland start things off, hitting a no-doubter well out onto the Cliffmore practice facility there in the uh, bottom of the first. And then uh, with State leading two to one, I think it was the bottom of the fourth, we exploded for five. And then State responded with five. And then, and then from there, you know, we um, we saw JJC and the, some other Pirate bats really take control of the game, going from a seven-six deficit to a thirteen-seven lead. Yeah, it was exciting. Uh, ESPNU, by the way, uh, college baseball's came a long way where you have midweek games now on linear ESPN uh, platforms. Uh, so it was good to get that exposure. Great crowd on Tuesday night in Greenville on good to get that exposure on ESPNU. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a great point, Kyle. I mean, um, I was thinking the same, just watching that game, great representation of ECU and the crowd was awesome. You got to give a lot of, a lot of uh, credit to, to our crowd. They really showed up. It was really impressive to watch on TV. Um, and, it, and anytime you can beat NC state on national TV, that's a great thing too. But uh, we had, very, very impressed, Dave, very impressed. If we had been there, yeah, thank you, Bubba. I was going to bring that up. 5,997. So if all four of us were there, we'd have over 6,000. <laughs> it's our fault. <laughs> good point. That's a good point. I'll give you, hey, you well, guys could have made actually, it a lot uh, you know, that, That's the ticket sold number. So uh, that's true. So, yeah. so you and I, Dave, is, you know, I guess well, well, that's five tickets right there. Yeah. And, and then as well. Uh, so, uh, so I guess Kyle and Matt, so we we'd have still been one shy. Um way hard. Well, we'll just round up and say a six. What do you like the WWE? Eighty three thousand people were there. But that is that is funny that you brought that up because I when I saw that number, I was like, come on. I see you couldn't find three just more people. Say six thousand. You couldn't find three more people or you know, maybe even seven more people to get that uh, all time attendance record in six thousand and four. You just lie. You just yeah. lie. A little wow. white lie never hurt anybody, right? Exactly. And, right? and another thing, it helps the program, right? If you say the biggest crowd, and especially when you have, um, we know that not looking ahead, you know that North Carolina game is going to be one that everybody's, um, that everybody's going to have circled. I, I didn't even want to play that game. We we took two from them. We beat them in Chapel Hill. Let them live with it, because you you know we we could we could beat them a third time and sweep them. But is it going to? I mean, but they, you know, I I just they let third. it be. I'd have let it be. We, we beat them two times. Let them live with it. <laughs> they don't play the game. Don't play the game. No, I wouldn't reach out it. I'd, I'd just – If, if, you, if you're scared, say you're scared. No, I ain't scared. I just let them live with it. Let them no, live with it. I want to play the game. I mean, it's, and, you know, it's too big of an opportunity. I mean – And that'll yeah. help our uh, RPI, right? Yeah. It yeah. definitely works. It's too, too good of an opportunity and to have 6,000 – or thereabouts packed in the Clark LeClaire. I mean, hopefully it'll be a good night for baseball and, uh, and what the uh, first Tuesday of May was that May 3rd, something yeah, like May that. 3rd, so, yeah. so that should be a, that's one that depending on what we have going on, I, my dad and I may try to make that weeknight trip. We'll see. Yeah. You know, guys, and, and just jumping back to, you know, I can be critical of ESPN a lot, but they were very, very complimentary 
Yeah, uh, I mean that was like that was a great showcase game for ECU. And we've had a lot of them in the last twelve months, months. You know, going back to the regional and whatnot. But and then the uh, very, game. yeah, I mean, very complimentary, Dave. The, the the broadcasters, I mean, they spent a lot of time talking up the environment that we offer. Um, you know, obviously quality baseball, but just the whole experience at Clark Leclerc with the jungle. So, um, you know, I was very proud, you know, to, of, of what we were able to do. And it really is amazing, guys, the type of environment that, that we've been able to create at East Carolina for baseball. It's pretty awesome to see. It really is. When you think about there's a lot of programs that in the ACC, SEC, whatever conference you want to say, that they want to be like us. They wish they had as many people as as we do and and it's not something that it's not something that happens every once in a while we actually have a regular crowd that comes on a regular basis especially when you look at uh the weekend games the friday saturday sunday series um obviously the nc state the carolinas are going to be big but on a regular basis we'll have at least what bubba averaging at least four thousand or more that's my off the top of my that's something yeah oh yeah we've led the state of north carolina in attendance um, going back to the late nineties, uh, you know, yeah. at, at least early two thousand, but I think the late nineties, it's, it's, you know, something like 23, 25 years that we've led North Carolina um, programs in an average attendance. And we're typically ranking, you know, anywhere from 12 to, to between 15 and 20 nationally. <clears throat> and, um, and something about it though, you know, you're always, you have so many games the butts in the seats, it's not always going to be good. I mean, you, I mean, whether you're talking about Ole Miss, Arkansas, LSU, wherever. I mean, you're always you're going to have those midweek games where just not not but so many people can make it, especially early season where you have three and four o'clock starts. But this uh, year, starting with starting with that George Washington series, you know, there's there's been um, the butts in the seats have been. Um, much closer to the uh, actual, you know, the announced number than they have in years past. And, and and that just goes back to what Matt was talking about and just the success this program has had you know, and it going to another level over, over the last few seasons, um, having played in three consecutive Super Regionals and hosting all those years in a row now. No question about it. You look at it, and by the way, guys, uh, everybody better get ready for the regional and super regional. I think those tickets are going to go extremely quick um, this year. So we'll see how that goes. But make sure that you uh, keep that in mind. If you're if you're going to get tickets, you go ahead and plan right now to get them um, early June. If not, um, you're going to be paying a lot of money on StubHub or a se- secondary ticketing market. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Get your orders in now. I don't. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, be ready for it and not plan oh. it because no, you can't call in now. I'm just oh, saying, yeah. don't let it slip. This year, you won't. You won't have. Um, I think it's going to be like a Taylor Swift concert. They're going to sell out extremely fast. Well, that's that's why we sold 2,700 plus season tickets, and because yeah. people were frustrated uh, what they went Actually, through last year, and they wanted to secure those those uh, regional and super regional tickets should those events happen. 
you know, I didn't have any problem getting tickets off the secondary market. I went to the regional championship game against Coastal, and then I went to game three against Texas, and that was a nightmare. But uh, I, I didn't have any trouble getting tickets off. I, I, I paid for – there was one somebody gave me the tickets and parking pass. It might have been the Texas game. And then the coastal game, it was very reasonable what I paid. So, kind of shifting back to um, the on the field play and going to Thursday's double header, um, you, you had to shift things around. You already had the Thursday, Friday, Saturday series because of Easter weekend um, that you always do. And then they made the great decision, without a doubt, to play that double header on Thursday, uh, beginning at two o'clock. Trey Savage and you know all the pitchers for that matter, you know, having to go on a on a couple days uh, or a day or two less rest. And um they all handled it very well and we got three quality starts, but Trey carried a no hitter through uh, five and two thirds. And you know, that was the oddest thing. He had a no hitter through five and two thirds, and then UCF went back to back to back on him. <laughs> But, 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 you know, fortunately, with the way we were swinging the bats and um, as Matt said in our group text, the hip barrage, uh, you know, yeah. we, we were able to answer and you know, still went on to the 17 to 7, seven, seven inning win. Yeah, I, I kind of used the term. I was talking to my father about it. I, I, I called it a shock and awe campaign. If you guys remember uh, the first night of the Gulf War, that's what they call it. Oh, <laughs> it was, yeah. It was a, you know, a shock and awe campaign. I mean, it was just yeah, awesome. The second goal. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, so it, it was fun to see, man. It was it really was fun. I liked, I really liked uh, just our approach. I mean, we just looked ready to go. We just jumped on them, and and we really just kicked their ass, fellas, the entire day. Um, and mm-hmm. series is over, just like that. And in you know the course of one afternoon, we we take two games and and uh, just put it on UCF. So, impressive. Hey, Matt, I know, that, I know you're very depressed since UCF is one of your favorite teams, so I know you're really hurt about beating them up so bad. Uh, yeah. I felt so bad for John Rice Plumley, fellas, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, Kyle? I mean, you know, sending him out of Greenville now multiple times with his tail between his legs. Yeah, I think it was Josh Josh Moylan that hit a – had an opposite field double uh, perhaps that um, – that burnt and plumly when he was there in center field. And <laughs> one of the folks in the jungle, you know, I didn't catch all the comment, but they said something like, uh, for the love of God, plumly, please back up. And, uh, you know, so, so you won't get burnt anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I didn't know that's funny, but um, yeah, that's, what's great about it though. If you're not uh, used to the jungle, how many guys, how many venues do you think that that's what I love about the jungle so much that you go to that you have fans out in the outfield that heckle you? I mean, you better make sure that you're on top of your game, your best game. If not, you're going to hear about it. To that level, you know, not many probably. Um, in the SEC, yeah. Probably outside of the SEC, the Big 12, Southern Miss, probably down coastal, probably similar. Um, probably some of the Sun Belt schools, the SEC and Big 12 schools, but in, in this area, maybe a little NC State. But what kind of heckling you reckon there is in Chapel Hill, Durham, or Winston-Salem? Ain't much. None. I mean, yeah. so, yeah, if, if you want to play – if you want to play in a real baseball atmosphere, a big-time atmosphere, 
that'll get you ready for the next level of playing professional baseball. Come to East Carolina. Yeah, I'd love to go to some of those venues. Um, you know, like like Duty Noble at Mississippi State or Swayze down in Ole Miss, uh, Arkansas Bomb, Bomb Stadium. But uh, Duty Noble. You know, kind of going back to the to the old Duty Noble. If it was a reverse Bubba, it would be a notable duty. <laughs> but uh, you know, back in the late '90s or early 2000s, a buddy of mine from North Davidson's, a couple years older, was playing there for Charlotte, and you know he was he was probably five three, five four, and he was playing left field, and they asked him, "Hey, uh, Brian, would you like us to to mow the grass so you can see?" <laughs> wow. Wow. So, but no, he, he loved it. He said it was awesome. You know, that's why, you know, as a player, you want to play those types of places where um, where you have an atmosphere as opposed to somewhere where you have 100 or 200 people in the stands. Yeah. yeah it's, it's something to be proud of. It really is. I mean, I know I probably sound like a broken record at this point, but I was just really impressed. And, you know, living in the Northeast, guys, like college baseball up here, if you go to a college baseball game, you know, you go to a UConn baseball game. You know, they got a good program, and they and they do. You know, and that and that's and that's the thing, Kyle. Like they have a very good program, but you know, people just don't turn out. So, uh, you know, it's just a special thing we have, and um, you know, it's it's awesome to see. No question. And and moving ahead, I know that uh, with this series was really important because, like we were talking about the race. You know, you have a tough week last week, a tough week at the office, and then you're able to come back home. You win four, especially the conference games. The NC State game was big, I know, because of the RPI piece of things. But winning those three in UCF against UCF at home, and now you have three coming up against Cincinnati um, after Old Dominion. So um, we have a chance to go four and zero again this week, fellas, and that would be a huge step in the right direction because I don't think it's a matter of playing in a regional hosting a regional. I think this is for a national seed is what we're playing for right now. Um, of course, if we have a huge collapse. We can lose all of that, but uh, we're, we're still playing for a hosting spot at this point. Um, uh, because, because of the league RPI, yeah. you start dropping games in league, you, you, right. can be out, you can be out of a hosting spot in a hurry. Um, so that, that's why, you, you mentioned the NC State game being big because of RPI. Yes, but not losing to UCF game three, um, to me, was huge to get the sweep. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, we lost two at Houston. So now to get that sweep, it puts us back on track to, to win a regular season conference championship. Yeah, and that would be four in a row, right, Bubba? Correct. Because, um, of course, last year we did the uh... – we did the shirts for the three peats, so yes, and this will be our fourth straight uh, American title if if we take care of business. But um, you know, one of those bats uh, of the many who uh, you know swung it well last week was Amac. Uh, you know what a week for Amac, especially that double header. Alec Makarevich is our PGXGloves.com Player of the Week, uh, not only for what he did with the bat, but also made. Tremendous plays at third base as he has all season. Yep. In that doubleheader, guys, he was seven out of eight. Uh, five runs scored, six RBI. Uh, so congratulations to Alec Makarevich, who had nine hits on the week. Also reached base via a couple walks. Uh, so, uh, 
and and as you see on the screen, um, drove in eight runs on the week uh, with with six of those coming in the doubleheader. So uh, unbelievable week for A Mac, a much needed, and uh, you know hopefully that will will get him, uh, you know where he where he wants to be and where he where we need him to be uh, going into the second half of the year. Yeah, and what it. Oh, sorry, Dave. Go ahead. No, guys. I was just going to say with him. You know, there are what there have been some criticism on the message boards with the keyboard bandits. You know about uh, about Amac, and I think uh, he's one of those guys, including Moylan, um, Hoover, guys that you know that are clutch. They're just having a little bit of a slump, and he's a guy that really has turned it on. And uh, we're talking about JC, but um, we've got a lot of key cogs that are back again this year that are going to make some noise, I'm telling you guys, in June. Yeah, when you can have that kind of production at the bottom of your lineup. Right. Um, it just makes all the difference in the world. I mean, you know, and and he's just – what you saw from him in that doubleheader is a perfect example in baseball. Is like when you have a confident swing. I mean, he just – he every time he went up there, confidently yeah. swinging the bat. Um, I mean, he, he just looked like a, like a different player. He looked like somebody who was just in the zone. And you got the feeling that that he was going to hit everything. And uh, it's nice to see him. Yeah, no doubt. And Bubba with him, you know, it's like he's a guy that can uh, like he had, he was attacking that baseball. It seemed like on the first pitch. You know, there's a lot of guys that it looks like they're doing a much better job of really letting the game come to them, meaning that. They're not swinging at bad pitches. They're actually doing a better job of being patient and getting the pitch that they want. They foul off pitches, fighting them off, and then and really go for the ones they know they can hit. Yeah, I mean, you saw it throughout the lineup. Um, a lot of guys having very good weeks. Um, Joey Brini being another, you know, showing showing some power. What Brini has four or five bombs now, and you know. Uh, Hitting, hitting a no doubter uh, to to the right to right field. That was a shack attack, baby. A shack attack. Oh my gosh, that was like when you look when you talk about a no doubter. It was off the bat. I was like, that's gone. That's gone. Oh yes, sir. That's gone. Uh, that was that was awesome. And Amac, uh, you know, being named the PGXGloves.com Player of the Week, that just obviously shows what a tremendous week he had because. Well, you had a guy – I mean, if you'd have told me on Tuesday that anybody other than JJC was going to be the PGXGloves.com player of the week, I, I wouldn't have believed it. And, you know, he also had a, a triple in, early on in game one against UCF. I mean, you know, so, he quite possibly, had he not got hurt, uh, would have probably hit for the series cycle and then some. Um, but, uh, you know, AMAC – Hats off to him, and then uh, you know the guys throughout the lineup who who swung it so well, and um, you know something else. Um, we got I mentioned all three guys pitching well on short rest. Uh, you, you had Carter Spivey in game two with the the doubleheader. What a game! He had every pitcher's uh, dream. You know, n- nine runs uh, thrown up on the board by the Pirates in the bottom of the second inning. And you know he he uh, carried a no hitter as Trey Savage did there into the middle innings, and uh, 
perhaps maybe ran out of gas a little bit pitching on short rest, but all in all, an excellent start. And, um, you know, then the, the bullpen, uh, I'm trying to remember in that game, um, obviously the Pirates went on for the 11 to five victory, but, um, but yeah, you, you had some quality relief efforts as well, um, throughout the series. No question about it. In fact, uh, again, Carter Spivey is another guy. I think Bubba, not to make excuses, but I think his arm soreness was a bigger factor than, than we knew about. And hopefully that can be, I don't know how you, Matt, maybe you can help me because you and Bubba former players, but, um, how do you get over something like that? Is that just something that's a nagging injury? Or, I mean, uh, that's something that I think he hasn't been his best, but on Saturday night, man, uh, excuse me, the, on Thursday night, rather, for game two, he was uh, he was really good. Regular yeah. massages. <laughs> that's how you get over it. I mean, I you know, I don't know, Matt, that Bubba, if you have a better answer, but arm soreness, I mean, you're a pitcher, you're going to deal with some of that, and he's got to treat it. I mean, the, the trainers will get to him, a lot of ice, rotate heat and ice, um, and it'll. he's got a few days to rest. We're pitching on Thursday. He won't throw again until, um, what, Friday or Saturday, so. Yeah, there's a whole, I mean, there's definitely a, a lot that goes into it as far as icing, and then, and not only that, but, you know, so some light running uh, and then, and then, uh, and then tossing, um, you know, just, yeah, there's a, there's a lot, a lot that goes into the recovery and making sure you take care of your arm and, and um, do what you need to do to remain healthy and, um, and have that good arm health throughout the season. Yeah. A lot of what you see now guys is uh band work. You know, you, you see these, college pitchers and high school and, and major league pitchers, they do a lot of band work uh, throughout the course of the offseason to get it loose. Um, but, you know, definitely, like, he's had that nagging arm soreness. He he, he looked awesome the other day. So yeah. hopefully it's something that's behind him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's feeling good moving forward. But uh, we, we definitely, you know, if you can have him pitch like that as your number two guy in the rotation, your number two starter – um, you know, that that's a great sign for, for the regional coming up, uh, or, or any, any weekend right. series for that matter. Well, if you think about it, guys, when you have you Savage as your Thursday night guy, then you have the second, like you said, Spivey. If you're looking at a situation like a super regional one, two, you get both those guys lights out. Obviously the bats have to come in play. Um, but overall with those two guys and then. I mean, how about Gross too? Gross has been pitching very well too. I've been all th- uh, now. If you have all three of those guys as your starters, um, with the bullpen that's been great. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you see, Danny Bill. Um, he he pitched well, if I'm not mistaken, out at Houston, and he he had a solid inning of relief against NC State, and then also pitched well against UCF. So it was great to see Danny. And pitching the way he can pitch and what we had seen from him in the past um, because he's a guy that um, provides a, a unique um, challenge as far as to his arm slot um, compared to some of our guys, you know, the way Danny drops down a bit. And, uh, you know, kind of move, moving on to the final game of the series, it was bumped up to Friday, as we had mentioned. 
but then you know the noon start um you knew that it was probably going to have a rain delay at some point you got the majority of it in and then you had the hour and 20 minute delay uh, there late and then the, the game ends up going 12 and the pirates you had 13 hits i think it was in the game but you right. just couldn't get the clutch hits um you know didn't execute a time or two um getting a bunt down uh, i think it was the i want to say the the 8th inning the 10th inning and the 11th inning you had what would have been the winning run or the, or in, you know the obviously in the 8th the go ahead run you had that go ahead or winning run in scoring position with less than two outs in each of those three innings, but unable to get it done before Justin Wilcoxon did in the bottom of the 12th. And, um, and let's take a look at that uh, walk-off hit oh. to, le- to left field by Justin Wilcoxon right now. From four or five innings with bases loaded. And then, of course, shortly thereafter, you know, he was called out by uh, Jared Plummer, and uh, who does an excellent job with the uh, at ECU Jungle account on Twitter. Uh, we appreciate that video from from Jared, and uh, you know, he and he and Brian Dilday and the crew, uh, you know, called J Dub out for a jungle jump. J Dub. That's, that's awesome, Bubba. Uh, you know, uh, Matt, you uh, you being a, uh, you and Bubba being football guys, and Kyle uh, in Green Bay, you had the Lambo leap. Um, is that like the jungle jump, or what do you? Call it? <laughs> yeah, you, he just called it that. Yeah, yeah, jungle jump. Uh, obviously, our equivalent of the the Lambo leap, if you want to say that, and uh, that's something that uh, Corinne Dilday was actually providing a a little background on that uh, on the ECU baseball Facebook page for uh, maybe some younger fans or or newer fans uh, that weren't as familiar going back to the days at Harrington field. And that was something that, you know, from her memory um, came into existence back, I guess, 99 or 2000 when Eric Backich, you know, Eric played infield some, but in addition to playing third base, he also played left field. And uh, the current Clemson coach um, back then, when when he was playing for the Pirates, um, he was one of the first, or perhaps the first in her memory, to uh, jungle jump um, both before, you know, and after a game. I, I love it. Uh, our players, uh, our players are so accessible. Um, kudos to, by the way, I was going to talk about the pitching, Matt and Bubba and Kyle. Um, when you have the pitching that we have now, it's great. I don't know if you guys know this, but our guys, meaning our coaches, do a great job of developing these players, in this particular case, the pitchers, to the point of it's now like Major League Baseball, situational, like 
whichever matchup they can do. And we have so many, you know, in other words, you're not keeping a guy out there too long because you don't have a guy that you can bring in from the bullpen. I mean, the number of guys you can bring in to get out, you know, you only need 20. So you only say, we only need 27, but when you're getting killed, <laughs> it seems like uh, the, the game takes forever. But uh, I was really, I'm really been impressed with coach Godwin and of course pitching coach Austin Knight on how they've done a great job to manage the game when it comes to pitching. Yeah, that's a really good point. I was thinking about that this weekend, Dave. And like, when you watch us, we have no problem rotating pitchers in and out of the lineup. I mean, there's just, we just have so many guys we can go to. And that's, that's an awesome thing to have. And, you know, you're definitely going to get opportunities here. You know, I mean, Cliff's not, he's not afraid to, to, to give guys, you know, looks throughout the course of a game. So definitely have a, a deep stable and, you know, the, the one guy I really want to see kind of come into his own here, and I apologize, I'm drawing a, a blank on his name, but the uh, transfer recruit from VMI, um, and please help me with his name, guys. I want to make a point about him. Tyler Brott, uh, you know, he, Brott. The, the right-handed you. reliever, you know, he's typically 94 to 96. Yes, exactly, Bubba. I mean, he, he has an electric arm. His location has been off. You know, he's been a little wild at times and, and his control has been a little off. But if he can, he's a guy that I feel like if we can get him dialed in and get him back on point, he can make a big, you know, big difference for us down the stretch here. Yeah, he, he and, um, you know, Willie Lumpkin came back recently from an injury. So, yeah, if we're going to accomplish what we want to accomplish this year, odds are Brott and Lumpkin um, will we'll take on key roles. No doubt. And you know that with the way the regional format is, we're going to have to have a lot of arms to survive. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, but certainly that's the case. And then you have with uh, with us moving forward, when you look at these series, like you're saying, Kyle, you made a great point about winning these. It's not only winning the series, but guys, we're going to have to pretty much dominate like we did this weekend with a number of runs, plus getting sweeps, don't you think, going down the line? You don't have to sweep every series, but you, uh, it'd be nice if you would. <laughs> um, but I think that's impossible. You need to sweep as many of them as you can. Um, because the account, like I said, the converse RPI is so bad, right? That's what I'm, uh, yeah. So you, you, I know it's you good. Know, if, if you take two, you know, you, you should be all right, but you, we definitely need to get some sweeps in there. Taking a look, going back to the offense. Um, you take a look at it now. We're hitting 299 as a team. You have um, Justin Wilcoxon. Um, you know, still, you know, he had been out several games with that um, back injury, where um, you know it had primarily been uh, Ryan McChrystal on getting getting the playing time, but um, and he'd been swinging a very hot bat. But you have Wilcoxon 351, JJC 333. Barini, 330, Moreland, 315, McChrystal, 308, Carter Cunningham, 301, Luke Nowak, 296, Starling, 295, Lane Hoover, 292. My point is, and, you know, AMAC after that excellent weekend, he's up to 268 now. So pretty much, I mean, everybody in the lineup is approaching that 300 mark with the exception of one or two. Yeah, that's what you were talking about, Matt, earlier is when you, you know, you think about 
a team, you can say, if we can get past the first four or five batters, you know, then we have a little bit of comfort there. But, man, you look at from top to bottom, from the leadoff batter to ninth, um, there, I mean, who are you going to take? Who are you going to like say you're going to have an easy out on? I mean, they're, and especially now that you have AMAC is hitting better, you have Hoover's been doing better, you have Moylan has really come on strong for us. So, a lot of guys that were having tough at bats early on have really started to hit their stride and get in their groove. And I think when you're talking about JC, he wasn't like off, but man, he was being the player that, I mean, there's no question in my mind, unless he has any big injury, he's going to be making it in the next level. Don't you guys think? I mean, he, I really think he has a shot at the show. I really do. A lot, lot to be determined, but yeah, he'll give us opportunities for sure. And uh, if he makes the most of those opportunities at the next level, he'll have a chance to make it to the big leagues. Um, the, uh, I was thinking about looking ahead to this week. Bubba, uh, how is Old Dominion doing this year in their transition to the Sun Belt? Uh, much tougher baseball league. How, how are the Monarchs doing? Yeah, I was going to take a look at that. Uh, I, I believe they're having a pretty good year. Huh? Give me a moment. I was I was I'm pulling up. The, I was pulling up the, the standings for the Sun Belt right now. Okay. But well, uh, ODU's been good in recent years. Had a chance to host a couple of years ago. Ended up being a one seed. They're twenty. Kyle, they're twenty three and eight. Okay. Yeah, that's a good opponent. Yeah, I knew they were doing and they well. played a very, very good league. Right offhand, but uh, so yeah, they're twenty-three and eight overall, eight and four in the Sun Belt. Their RPI is forty-eighth, wow. and then another good chance for us to improve yeah. our resume on Tuesday night. Taking a look at their schedule, uh, they are seven and three away from home. Um, yeah, we're what about they, four and five away games. Off the top of my head, I think we're four and five. Yeah, uh, something like that. Uh, and you got uh, – they had a nice series win at Charlotte uh, where after after losing the opener 10-2, to two, they won 11-2 and then 13 to nothing in seven innings. Mm. And um, let's see. Um, they also have a quality series win down at Georgia Southern. Seven to five, twelve to seven, and then they got shellacked <laughs> sixteen to nothing in seven innings in uh, in game three. But they 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 had already the taken the taken the series. That's one of those things you got to love about baseball, where just an individual game. You know, after yeah. after winning the series like that, they got beat, got run ruled, and uh, lost by sixteen runs. And then against Southern Miss, uh, Southern Miss went to Norfolk. And uh, they dropped that series. Southern Miss won four to two. Old Dominion won eight to seven, and Southern Miss won eleven to eight. So a very competitive series against the Golden Eagles. And and that was um, this weekend. Yeah, and and this is a game that you mentioned their RPI being forty seven. Their RPI is really probably going to continue to go up. It's not going to go down much because they still got to play Coastal Carolina. They still got to play Lafayette. They still got to play South Alabama. Uh, that that is a very good baseball league, and uh, probably a league that'll get three or four teams in the NCAA tournament. So um, the SODU game is is bigger probably than people realize it is. Oh yeah, most definitely. And you know we got to get that. And then the <clears throat> this weekend three with Cincinnati, we got to take care of business, like you said, Kyle. 
At least, yeah, because you don't the ODU game will help your RPI, but if you lose to Cincinnati, it hurts your RPI. So it's kind of you know you want to you want to get it up against ODU, then take care of business against Cincinnati to keep it up. Yeah, and you take you take a look at the, and to your point, Kyle, looking at the looking at the standings for the American, and just and this is per Warren Nolan. I'll take a look at the um, the NCAA RPI in a minute, but it's normally not a spot or two up. More than a spot or two off. Um, taking a look first at the standings, and now you have a three-way tie, at least by win-loss record in first place with East Carolina, Houston, and South Florida all being four and two. Then you have Wichita State, Cincinnati, and Tulane that are all three and three. Memphis is two and four. Now UCF is one and five as the Knights had dropped that series to USF prior to coming to Greenville. And, um, you know, Houston took two out of three from Wichita State. And then um, in Cincinnati, I'm trying to remember, the Bearcats, they had, let's see, who was it? They, they took two out of three from Memphis out at FedEx Park in Memphis. And, and then you had Tulane, um, the Green Wave dropped two out of three at South Florida. Yeah, and the RPI is uh... – which you never really – were you going to give the RPI for the Yes. Uh, so, thank you. Uh, going back to that with the RPI, um, the the RPI, um, the Pirates saw their RPI go from 29th back up to 15th, which is awesome. But then you have Houston, 127, South Florida, 137, Wichita State, 132, Cincinnati, 188. UCF 145, Tulane 200, and Memphis 213. So everybody's 127 or higher. That's bad. That is going. Uh, that that that's why we have to make sure we win these yes. series. That that's far and away the worst ever. Uh, you know, from my yeah, just terrible. going off memory. I mean, I mean, we've always you know had at least two or three teams in the top 60 or 70, if not more. It's terrible. That means, that means we're only going to get us. Pretty much, there's only one that's going to make the the. Yeah, unless somebody else wants to come to tournament, yes. Right. I mean, it, it's it's it, that, that's terrible. And by I, contrast, if you look at the Sun Belt World Dominion plays, uh, I would imagine most of the league is inside the top one hundred, if not the whole league. Just just one moment, uh, going back to the Sun Belt. Yeah, taking a look, Sun Belt. You have Coastal twenty one. You have Southern Miss, 27, Troy, 50, Louisiana, 67, Old Dominion, 48, Troy, 50, Georgia Southern, 71. Uh, you have Texas State, is 82nd. So there you have one, two, three, seven teams in the top 82. Yeah, see, that's what I'm yeah. saying. I mean, that's in terms of baseball leagues, it's not even close. And and they'll get three or four teams in. So this old Dominion game is is big because you beat them, their RPI is going to stay. It's not going to drop. It's only going to stay steady. It's not going to drop significantly. It's either going to stay steady or go up. Yeah, we got to – and also um, we got to win this year, and then next year uh, the American will be better than baseball, no doubt should about be. it. Yeah, it should be. Florida Atlantic's coming in. They're good. Um, Rice historically is good. Their program has been terrible. You figure at some point they're going to turn it back around. But yeah, the the Americans should improve in baseball next year. Um, 
not to the level of, of even the Sun Belt, but it'll be much better than it is now. Taking a look at uh, some of those RPIs, uh, you have UTSA 49. See yep. FAU FAU fifty three Charlotte sixty four yeah. yep. um, UAB um, UAB is the only one that doesn't have a good RPI is they're one hundred eightieth but so there you have with UTSA FAU and Charlotte three RPIs that are top sixty four yep. yeah that'll help no doubt and uh, at some point like I say maybe Rice will decide to be good in baseball again hey guys who um. Do we want to talk a little football uh, with the spring game yesterday? Um, we, I, I don't know. You know, we got the numbers. I don't know how many n- – none of us went, um, weather and other other reasons. But uh, Garcia's numbers, it sounds to me from reading Igo's review, they intentionally did not have him run the ball very much. They intentionally kind of had him use other receivers besides um, – um, help me out, guys. The, the Jalen Johnson, Jalen Johnson, Johnson, and, and, um, and Calhoun. Calhoun, correct. And uh, sounds like Alex Flynn. Um, I think Garcia is going to be the star, but it's like Alex Flynn is pushing him a lot more than yes. people thought. And uh, so that's interesting to see uh, how that'll play out. And so, do you guys think um, now that spring's over uh, that we'll bring in a, a portal quarterback for depth only? I mean, I'm not talking about the start. I'm talking about for depth. Mm-hmm. Well, it'd be nice to have uh, guys. We only have right now uh, three on scholarship, so it'd be nice to have one more. Yeah, I, I would have bring it. In. I'm sure there's an FCS yeah. guy out there that would that we yeah. could get. I would personally, I definitely, I would because I mean, you don't know how they're going to get yeah, injured. You know, should Mason or Alex go down, then Jeter would be the. Yeah, all, all you have is true freshman Raheem Jeter and. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think down the road he'll he'll be good, but you, you don't want to be in that position where you have a true freshman as your backup um, this fall. And so for that reason, I think we will, we should, and I think we will. But, yeah, uh, you, you may be able to get a guy with some starting experience at the FCS level who's had some success. You never know, you know, quality backup. It could be a situation where Garcia or Flynn. Is struggling early in the year. You need an experienced guy to can come in and settle things down. Um, a kid like you know, Bubba, a kid like like a, uh, like a Gardner Minshew. Like remember? <laughs> no, I was thinking. Is that where you're going with that? No, I was thinking more of the kid that came in um, in '15. Uh, Blake Kemp. I was thinking the Blake Kemp type. Yes. Yeah, where you know wasn't going to wow you with his talent, but uh, you know Blake Kemp. You know, he got the most out of his ability, you know, most games. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people can say what they want to, but he gave us a chance to win in the swamp. And, uh, yep. you know, what, through for 400 yards or right at 400 yards against Florida Gators. And if Ruffin would have tuned everybody out and listened to his OC and to Donnie and let Blake Kemp continue to start and then just brought Summers in off the bench. The changeup. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think we would have probably won two more games that year, and Ruffin would have never been. He should have never been fired anyway. You're but right. I think had that happened, we'd have won two more games, and Ruffin wouldn't have been fired. Yeah. That would have been extremely controversial if he went seven and five. Oh, and- that wouldn't that wouldn't have happened. But, yeah. I mean, and we will have. Guys, I think I do. I agree with you guys that I think we will try our best to find 
an, an additional quarterback now that spring ball is over. But I don't think it's the most attractive situation. You know, if, if you're a transfer, you know, right. if you're a grad transfer or a portal guy, it's not yeah. a very attractive situation if you think about it because, you know, Mike Houston's yeah. on record, you know, basically saying yeah. like that Mark, Garcia. Mason Garcia is the quarterback yeah. of the future with three years. Yeah. I'm going to disagree with you. If you got one year of eligibility left and you got a fre- – not a freshman, but you got a quarterback who started a grand total of one game and, and you're a experienced quarterback at the FCS, FCS level who's won a lot of games, you got to figure at some point, unless Mason Garcia comes out and just lights it up, there's going to be some point he's going to throw throwing picks. And if you're an experienced quarterback and you're looking good in practice, that head coach, you know, first and foremost, more about winning games. And you you pull Mason to settle him down, and that that other quarterback comes in and wins a football game for you. All of a sudden, you got a quarterback controversy. So I see what you're saying. Theoretically, he's given the keys to Mason Garcia, but those keys can be taken away in a hurry, particularly if you got a guy with experience on the bench who's a proven winner, even if it's at a lower level. So I see what you're saying, Matt. But if you believe in yourself, I mean, you got an unproven quarterback there. And I, and I hope Garcia lights it up and we don't ever see anybody else, you know, have to come in. I'm just saying, I I, I don't think it's as un- – I get what you're saying, Matt, and yeah. I, I totally get what you're saying, but at the same time, it ain't like he's coming in here to back up Holton, who you know is going to be the starter. Um, he said Garcia's quarterback of the future, and that is the plan and the hope, but he's also unproven. True, and, and I think that's the other side of it. And I, and I do, I, you know, I think that's a uh, listen. I, I hear, I hear exactly what you're saying on that, and and that is a good point. And you know, I just – I wonder. I wonder how you go about it in recruiting, right? Because you're on you're on public record basically saying, hey, Mason Garcia is the guy of the future. He has three years left. He's been groomed. You know, he's – and so you're on record. But now, you know, I don't know how you recruit it in the portal in that type of situation. I mean, you, that's a tough conversation to have. But, um, hey, you could approach it, you know, a bunch of different ways and – I would approach it the way I just said it. I'd say, yeah, I said Garcia's quarterback of the future, but he's unproven. You're not. If, if he goes out there and throws three or four picks in a game, you're up, baby. Well, I think Alex uh, Flynn, uh, he, he's – the good news is – the good news is what would be the worst scenario, having only three quarterbacks, if Mason yeah. Garcia, you have Mason, Mason Garcia unproven, but you have Alex Flynn who has had a great spring. We've been hearing that all along. And and um, so I think that's the best case scenario for the Pirates is you have uh, two guys that can start for you. And then you have, uh, I mean, like we said, Jeter, you can't expect Jeter. He's a guy that you, he's going to have the clipboard. Yeah. And left. He's going to have the clipboard this year, which is completely fine. In fact, all the people that made comments about Holton and, we still have one of our good friends who is anti Holton, which drives me nuts. But that's a whole other show, anyway. Yeah, I don't get uh, that. I don't understand that. But anyway, my point is, is that Mason Garcia, first of all, as um, as Kyle and Bubba knows, and I don't know if you know Matt, he had trouble. We had his coach on, um, and he had trouble in his freshman and sophomore year of high school. Got behind academically. You got to give credit to the kid. Tip your hat to him because. He worked his tail off his junior and senior year of high school just to be eligible for college. Then 
He's worked really, really hard up my understanding academically in college. So that's not an issue anymore. The other issue and knock on him was he didn't know the playbook. Well, apparently having Holton and Holton is not one of those guys that he's a real leader. He was a great guy to have in the quarterback room and an Alex Flynn where both of them have, they've all worked together, they're teammates. And there's not really a, um, unless they're just saying that to say it, there's not really a jealousy in the quarterback room. So they've all worked together. So now you've got guys who had the clipboard. They had a chance to really learn the system. So now, yes, they're unproven as far as not being out there game experience. But as far as learning the system, um, they should know that by now. Yeah, I would like to see Mason. And he had opportunities. I'm not sure why he didn't get more playing time than he did. Uh, he didn't want it. He didn't want it so he could have three more years. Right. But there was times you could get him in without, without ruining his red shirt. But. I, you know, I don't know why that was done, but um, I, I will talk about this uh, because it came up this week. Uh, there's positive articles about Holton Taylor's on on Pirate Radio oh, yeah. and other places where you know the it looks like he may get drafted now. And the fact that some of our fans are commenting negatively <laughs> about about a pirate who has a chance to play in the league, who grew up a pirate, who who loves this university, who will give back to this university, I guarantee it. Right to me, you need to get your heads out your ass. Uh, I can guarantee tell you this: you morons, and I know one of them. And, you know, I respect <laughs> greatly. Ain't nobody in the league give a shit that his daddy's the PA announcer at East Carolina. <laughs> if he's going to have a chance to play in the league, it's because he's earned it and he's a good quarterback. I, I don't know what some of you, and I, I don't know if any of you are watching this podcast or not, are thinking with these negative comments towards Holt Naylor. You're complete. It's it, it's idiotic. He yeah, should be doing nothing but rooting for his success because he's a great representation of this university. Him going to the league. Look, if we end up with three guys, when is the last time we had multiple guys taken in the NFL draft? Anybody? Anybody? Can anybody tell me off the top of the head? No, it's way back. It's not even in, in recent times. And I think that there's people associate, unfortunately, Holton's first year. He can't help who was the coach when he first came here. He can't help that. And it was Mo. But that was the last year of Mo. So I don't understand. There's like this venom from a guy that started his career. When you look at he left the program better than he found it. Well, you look at his numbers this year. They were exceptional. And yeah. with the exception of that Navy game. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he played well in every game this year, really. I mean, the Navy game would be the exception. And I think he learned from that and became a better quarterback after that. And at the end of the year, he was playing, you know, People will say, what about the Houston game? No, the whole team sucked balls that Houston game. <laughs> yes. So the, the, the you know, I, I love Holton. I love, I, I love, I love Keaton Mitchell. You know, I think both of those, uh, CJ hopefully will get drafted. I really believe CJ made a mistake and should have came back for one more year. I agree. Um, I, I hope, I hope I'm wrong on that and he gets drafted. But, uh, you know, if we get two or three guys drafted, I don't care what their names are. Um, if they're pirates, that's good for the program. Hey, kids want to go somewhere they can have a chance to play at the next level. And not only that, but you have a situation where you also have um, make fun of it as much as you want, USFL, XFL, and maybe some of the CFL. So there's a lot of guys we have that are um, – there's a lot of guys that we have out there that uh, may not get drafted in the league, but maybe they'll have another opportunity and we'll salute them. That's what I don't understand about why there's so much hatred towards Holton Aylers when I don't eat so much. I think it's a handful of vocal people 
but I don't understand their point. I don't, if you wanted to beat the local, the local, not politics, but the local hero bag. And, and to me, the people that said he's the only reason he's starting is because his daddy's the PA announcer. Local I guarantee you, that nobody cares that, that Morgan's the PA. Mike Houston don't give a shit that Morgan Aylers is the PA announcer. He was going to start the best quarterback. That's right. And, um, he, and he worked his tail off, did he exactly. not? And, and, he, and he's not getting these opportunities in the league because he doesn't deserve them. He's getting these opportunities in the league because he's a good quarterback and he's got a lot of intangibles. He, he's a smart kid. He's a level-headed kid. He's a nice, respectful guy. He's got a lot of intangibles that go really well in the interview process in the NFL. Yeah. Hey, Kyle yeah, and-, and Bubba and Matt, uh, how many times they get in trouble off the field? Did you see? I mean, the thing that drives me crazy with this whole scenario is you would think that this is a kid who is not performing well, who is getting in trouble, who is not doing academically well, a whole bunch of you know things that you go, why in the world is this kid in the program, right? Instead... He's doing all the right things, and there's people that uh, they should stick to what they know best, and football is not one of them. Let me just say, if if they think that Holton Aylers was not a good quarterback at East Carolina, look at We have yeah. won 15 games in two years, two bowl appearances, and he was the MVP of the Birmingham Bowl. And look at the All-Star games where he was MVP as well, two more All-Star games. So I just don't understand with the Hula Bowl – and the NFLPA bowl out in uh, Pasadena, um, you don't just get to go there to go there. So it's not Morgan Aylor sitting and say, "Well, I'm the PA announcer, so you know we're going." And we love Morgan. We, uh, he's a he's a great guy. No, uh, believe me, Morgan, Morgan Morgan has no problem with anything we're saying right now, Dave. No, well, I know. Maybe like instead of his passes and like 28 touchdowns and five picks or something. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's terrible. That's all you need to say: 28 touchdowns and five picks. That's terrible numbers, Bubba. And and guys, you know, a few more things on Holton. Like, he never – it's not like – and this is not a knock on our offensive line because I think we've gotten a lot better throughout the course of four That's years. That's another right? good point. We, we're not playing with Wisconsin's offensive line here. Correct. In Greenfield. <laughs> exactly. uh, you know, you go put Holton Nailers on Wisconsin, and I'm using them as an example because they just always have an awesome offensive line. That's a good point, you know, he, I mean, this this guy. Look what Russell Wilson. I'm. I'll use him as an example. Oh my God! You know, yeah. look what he did when he made a move from NC State to to a team like that with that big O line and dominant. Uh, he was running for his life for for a lot of the time here. So he also played hurt yep. a lot of the time. I mean, this kid uh, to to knock him, you got to be out of your mind at this point, in my opinion. But and then the other point I wanted to make: if you're an NFL team. Okay, and let's say you have two or three quarterbacks that have equal ability. All right, equal ability. You're trying to figure out who to draft. Holton yep. is an incredibly safe pick. All right, he he's never going to get in trouble, like you guys stated. He's going to work his ass off every day in That's practice. He's going to fit in well in the locker room. He's going to be a great teammate. Yep. Uh, he's going to learn. He's not going to be a distraction. So I do think he has a chance to get drafted in the later rounds. And seventh round, I, man. I mean, I would just love to see it. Uh, I, I did see one uh, article mention the Buffalo Bills and the New York Giants. Um, I'm hearing you the know. Packers. Okay, yeah, Packers. He's just yeah. like there's like, and another thing, uh, by the way, folks, there's been over twenty. Was it twenty seven teams out of thirty two 
have interest in him. Like if he was a terrible player, like there was just, you know, like they had no chance is one thing. But when you have a whole bunch of teams interested in him, yeah. um, then I, 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 it's just crazy. And, and how high do we think Keaton's going to end up going? Uh, I'm hearing third round. Uh, se- some people say maybe second round, but I'm hearing, have you met? I've heard third round is what I've heard solid. Yeah, I'm hearing like three to five somewhere. High, best case scenario, third round. Um, I I I see him as a guy who should go in the top three rounds. Yeah. Um, with that speed and the game breaking ability. Yeah. So I can see him as a kickoff returner for sure. Um, in the league, you know, even if he like obviously he's got a lot of ability and he's only going to get better. And another thing is, guys. I love, as you guys know, you give me heat for it, but I love the NFL and I love the draft. And this year, you know, I'm excited because we have a program now, the guy like Mike Houston and his staff that's put it out a whole bunch of guys between the portal and between guys that they've uh, brought in and signed. And we have a chance to have multiple guys. This draft is going to be more than just because I'm a fan of the NFL. I also have personal interest in my alma mater that has yeah. multiple guys with potential to be drafted. I mean, the, the, the first awesome. time in years I'm going to be paying attention to the draft. Um, and what are we hearing on CJ, guys? You, you guys follow the draft more than I do. Is CJ going to get drafted or no? He's got some – yeah, I there's some buzz about him, about his size and his hands um, with uh, his speed. Um, I've heard some good things. It's not as much, obviously, as Keaton Mitchell, but I have – have you met? I've heard some – People have shown an interest yeah. in it. It's not uh, as much as Keaton, but I mean, how many people are? I mean, he's going to be your number one guy. Yeah, I mean, I've heard some. I've, I've read a few articles that some people are really high on him. There's no doubt. The consensus is people love his hands. They love the size. Right now, the two knocks on CJ, the forty. All right, that's the first one. It's, okay. it's not okay. exceptional. It never was, and we and we knew that, right? We we knew that. No. But he can still make plays. And then the other knock I've heard is that from a conditioning standpoint, he looked a little winded in some of his workouts. I don't know I don't know what to make of that. I wasn't there. I just read it. Um, maybe that could be a size thing. Maybe he needs to drop a few more pounds. But in terms of hands, I think he's got exceptional hands. The other thing is you guys know, though, and I haven't heard this, but my, other, my only knock on him is just being able – um, he's a great player, playmaker. But my thing is being able to keep, just really keep your emotions in check. Well, and, and that goes back to I was going to segue Dave to, to kind of what you're alluding to, to what Matt said about his conditioning. That can be a maturity thing. Has yes. he been keeping up with his conditioning now that he's done? You know, he doesn't have a strength coach making him keep up with his conditioning, even though he opted to go to the league. Has he been conditioning right in the in between time? Um, and that's another maturity thing. I really wish CJ would have came back for one more year. I, really I agree. Do. I told you guys. And Matt took, a, unfortunately, from one of his family members, not to call you out, Matt, but you took a beating on social media, which was un, it wasn't that you were being mean about uh, CJ. It was just the fact that we all agree if he came back for one more season, that's one more year. You get to put a lot of numbers up and help your draft status. It's not that you're saying – it's not that matter. Anybody was saying that he could not make the league, that he did not have the talent. It's just about the, you make the excellent point, Kyle, the right word, maturity. Um, and, and to think about that he had come back from, you know, being pretty much in the doghouse with the coaches. And they put up with, let's just say this, Houston 
and staff put up with a lot of junk. And they finally said enough is enough. He worked his way back on the team and had a decent year. And then, you know, with uh, and we'll see how it plays out. But CJ is one that we're all rooting for. And again, he wore the pirate uniform. He's a, um, a local kid. And uh, my hat's off to him. It's not like he transferred to another school. He actually is going in the draft, and and I pray that uh, he gets drafted. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, most things that I'm that I've seen as far as C.J. Johnson, they see him as a potential day three and a late round sleeper. So that would be. Can you imagine? You, know, you have Keaton, obviously, um, going to go the highest you would think. And then uh, you had the possibility for Holton and uh, also CJ. You have Zay Winstead, who's probably going to uh, Yeah, I hadn't even thought about Winstead. He, he, he's draftable. And then Noah Henderson. So you could have as many as uh, two or three guys drafted and probably, you know, five, five plus and get opportunities. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward. This is the best we've had and since you had it since 2010. And those were years where we won the, <clears throat> oh, that's right after we won the, uh, yeah, 2010 will be the well, low. I mean, excuse me, Rose first year. Um, but oh, 2010, that's right, it was a championship. Yeah, so. yeah, Linville, who forewent his senior season. Um, boy, he so, could have helped us in 2010. Oh, yeah, Linville went, I think, early second round, and, yeah. and then you had CJ oh. Wilson, that, as you see there on the screen for our viewers, that went in the seventh round. You also had Scotty Robinson, who earned a free agent deal with the excuse me Cleveland Browns and then Jay Ross oh yeah was, is with the um the Saints if I'm not mistaken so you had all four defensive linemen um you know earn earn those NFL opportunities two being drafted and two free agent deals and so and that's why that defensive line is certainly uh, you know, one of the best if not perhaps yeah. the best in, in program history right there with Guys like Rod Coleman, Norris McCleary, and uh, guys that Matt played with. Yep, no doubt. And I, I think right next to Keaton, I think our most draft. In my, this is my opinion. Our most draftable player is uh, Winstead. Uh, I mean, I just think with his size, his height, his length, and his he's proven. He's proven that he, and I say this all the time about him, he's exceptional at winning 50-50 balls. Yeah, when it's a oh, one. One on one matchup against a corner and the ball's up in the air, he knows how to go get it and make a play. He's really, really good at that. And uh, I heard that he bench pressed over 20 reps with 225. Really impressive for a wide receiver. Yeah. They said he was in phenomenal shape. So he's strong. He's big. He did show, you know, most of his opportunities here seem like they were on like fade routes. But there were a few times this year where he caught some shallow crosses and he was able to make plays with his feet after the catch, Kyle. Um, so I, I, I think very highly of him. I think he definitely has should get a chance to play in the league. Yeah, I hope Winstead gets drafted also. I wish we'd have had him longer here at East Carolina. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. He uh, he is a uh, – he, he's a guy who's going to catch every ball, kind of like C.J., Who's thrown? Who, that is thrown his way. He uh, he's got good hands also. So I uh, I hope you know I hope if, if, maybe all four of them. Maybe maybe CJ Winstead, uh, uh, Keaton and and Holton all four get drafted. That'd be fantastic. We appreciate Irving Bennett chiming in on YouTube tonight. 
Um, and yes, Irving, you are correct. That 1983 team, obviously, so much success, eight and three, and then those three losses by combined 13 points at Florida State, Florida, and Miami. And when Miami won national championship that year, and Pirates lost to them 12-7 in the Orange Bowl, and really could have won the game on a hail mary. Had the and really it was more it was more like the the play at uh, UTEP, the miracle in the mine shaft, where it wasn't that long of a hail mary, about 35 yards. But uh, that year we didn't have 13 drafted. We had 13 uh, earned NFL opportunities. I want to say it was. Yeah. I want to say it was maybe five to seven were drafted, and then you had several that also had those had those opportunities um, via free agent deals. And Bubby, also uh, keep in mind the Irving's right as far as um, the number of players we had guys that went into USFL and CFL that year. Um, oh, yeah. Giz- Gizmo, um, you know, who's a CFL legend. Yeah, so that's why. That 1983 team, um, in a lot of folks' opinion, you know, is the most talented team in East Carolina football history. Yeah, from from top to bottom. No, no question. In fact, I'm um, I'm looking forward to it. And Johnny Gardner said, uh, Coach Schwartz and staff working the portal. Uh, lost one tonight. You had Dontrez Styles, um, Kinston native, North Carolina transfer elect to go to Georgetown. Well, screw you, kids. Screw you. For new head coach, uh, former Providence Friars coach Ed Cooley. um, But then, you know, I'm here in LaGrange right outside of Kinston, and uh, I get so sick of that crap. Um, He could have been a pirate, been beloved. If that would have been a nobody, nobody at GW gives two shits right now that he signed with them. If he was George Washington, huh? Excuse me. I said George Washington, Georgetown. 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 Well, GT. Nobody gives a sh- Nobody in Georgetown. N- nobody in the whole D.C. Metroplex area gives a shit that he signed with them. Had he signed with East Carolina, we'd have led the show off with it tonight. Two, and, 200 uh, grand is um, you know, per. Uh, you know, yeah. Well, there you go. There you, like, I can't blame to, uh, you. Steve and I go and hoist the colors. That's, yeah. there, the there's a the the difference. Court. There's a the difference. You can't blame him for that. I know. I don't know the kid's family, but uh, I know he's from Kinston, so most likely ain't coming from a lot of money. Two hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money to any to anybody, unless you're a millionaire. So can't blame him for that. So you know what? If he had a chance for two hundred grand, then then God bless him. I I don't blame him. But um, going back to that, um, like Johnny's saying, uh, Coach Schwartz and staff are doing everything they can to generate some excitement and garner some kids' attention. Um, you know, we're also in the running for um, Bobby Pettiford, a guy that Joe Dooley is very yeah, very high on, and uh, came close to landing a time or two. <laughs> he ended up going to Louisville, and then when he left Louisville, uh, ended up going to Kansas. Now he's leaving Kansas, and um, you know many think that he has a very strong chance of uh, choosing the Pirates. And then he also had a young man from leaving Western Carolina, uh, Tyjong Claude, and. He averaged 16 points and about eight rebounds this year. He's won in the six eight or so. Uh, began his career at Moorhead State. I believe he's originally from Goldsboro. He's right. won. It would be really nice to throw him into the front court mix with Ezra Osar and Brandon Johnson. Oh, yeah. And that's the kind of kid that he's the perfect size for the league as far as American. We need those guys that are long and lean and that are American caliber 
uh, talent um, that size. So uh, no doubt about it. In fact, I tell you what, guys, it's just exciting. Matt, I'm going to ask you this because you're a transfer portal guy. You're the transfer portal guru. Um, as far Absolutely. as as far as the football uh, program is concerned, and I'm going to ask you others. I'm going to throw this out to Bubba and Kyle. What what positions do you think we talked about quarterback that we all? I feel like I agree with you guys. I think we need one more guy in that room. But what other positions are you looking at? Uh, I would think offensive line comes to mind for the portal. Yeah, for me, even before quarterback, for me, um, and we just added two two transfer offensive linemen from Akron this week, and I think that's a great start. Really happy to hear that. Um, but I, I wouldn't stop there. Uh, I think there's going to be, over the next week, a lot of guys, because now that spring football is finishing around the country, a lot of guys are going to look at their situation and maybe try to better that. And you're going to see guys hit the portal. So I would, if possible, I would try to get another offensive tackle. Uh, that would be first for me. And then I would look to outside receiver, guys. I, I, like, I feel pretty good about what we have on the inside. Um, but I think we need another big body outside receiver who can make a play. And guys like Zay Winstead, they're tough to get. They don't grow on trees. I don't think we're going to find anybody at his caliber, but if we can find somebody in that mold who can make some plays, for me, that would be the top two. I agree, Matt, uh, the outside receiver. Um, with the size that we lose with C.J. Johnson and Zay Winstead, we would really like to to see um, us land another there. And then you need Jarrett Garner and the Duke transfer, who was in the program last year, had a catch or few. I uh, really want to see him step up, hopefully – uh, we'll see him uh, have the type of production this fall that he had in yesterday's uh, final spring scrimmage, the Purple Gold game. He had seven catches for, you know, fifty-five or sixty yards, and so we're going to need to to see that from uh, Jarrett. And we need Jalen Johnson to stay healthy all season. Uh, he's yeah. Got, yeah, that's a huge. Yeah, he, he's got the talent for sure. If he can stay healthy, um, in the outside receiver position, what what we got with Isaiah Winstead last year was a guy who had been successful at Toledo. He was a proven commodity what i think we we probably have a better chance of getting this year as another as another jalen johnson type kid who's been buried on the depth chart at a power five school who wants a chance to play because his eligibility is running out that has that talent but not the experience that isaiah right. had on the field and that's probably what we end up with either that or some uh or maybe someone from the fcs ranks that uh yeah perhaps maybe somebody who you know who throws the ball very successfully and, uh, you know, just trying to maybe that receivers would like to make a move to the uh, FBS ranks and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, perhaps also reap a, a little NIL. Benefit. Hey. Yeah, sorry, Bubba. Matt, what about the defensive side of the ball? And I want to ask you guys, Bubba and Kyle, um, anybody on the defensive side? Is there – looks like DB, we're in pretty good shape. What about linebacker and D-line? Well – I mean, if you if you were asking me first, I, I would say I feel pretty good about where we are at DB. I think you're always looking for a guy who can rush the quarterback. If somebody like that was available, um, you know, I, I think you're always looking for that. I, I feel like um, I feel like we have a lot of bodies. You know, we have four middle linebackers now, or maybe five if you include uh, the the player who we recruited last year coming off ACL surgery. Um, Bubba can probably tell me his name. 
Uh, I can't think of it now. But I feel like we have pretty good depth. A lot of it unproven, though. Mm-hmm. I got you. And what about uh, Bubba? Were you going to talk more about tight end or tight end well, defense? Well, the the linebacker situation, you have you had the two FCS transfers coming in uh, from North Carolina A&T and South Carolina State. And uh, with Taekwon King and B.J. Davis, um, I think I have that. But uh, you know, they were all-conference players at the FCS level. And and I think one of them uh, was uh, maybe perhaps the player of the year in the in the MEAC. So they are they're guys that are proven commodities. And you know I, I know um, also you have uh, Michael Edwards who had transferred in prior to last season from Georgia Southern who had played like Blake Carroll was mentioned here recently, you know, 500 plus snaps with Georgia Southern. Um, he played sparingly for us last year. And then you have uh, Taylor Jackson really looked good in the bowl game against Coastal Carolina. Yeah. And, and I, I saw him making some plays out there yesterday. And um, drawing a blank, the, the other – Zakai Barker. Barker, probably, yep. Zakai Barker. I know uh, Alan Powell was raving over uh, him laying the wood uh, yesterday. What do we have at tight end after Calhoun? Little, little thin there, Kyle, and, and that's a good. How do you look at Tyler Savage? I mean, I, I see him more as like a hybrid type. But yeah. he can play tight end, right? So, um, and then we have a kid from that we brought in from Germany. Yeah, uh, Max. Oh, I forgot about him. Yeah, that's right. Um, but I, I, I Kyle, are, are you thinking we might be a little thin there? Because I, I think that's. A good point. To, that would be yes. good. How many scholarships do we have, guys? Do you know off the top of your head? It was like four or five. Or am I off on that? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm uh, not. You never know what may come available after spring ball on our end, also. That's so true. There could, there could be some more freed up. But uh, yeah, I, it, you know, I, I don't think tight ends is as big of a need because uh, we don't utilize it as, as, as much uh, as outside receiver or, uh, or O line. Uh, but I do think if you have the opportunity, to get a guy who could, you know, have some experience at tight end from the FCS or somebody that's very talented that's been buried on a depth chart, uh, yeah, we should probably do it to, to give Calhoun some uh, some company there. Uh, you know, maybe we want to – and I think Savage is talented, but yeah. like you said, he's, he's, he's hybrid. Yeah, and then another guy that I left out, uh, in addition to Jared Garner, uh, Georgia Tech transfer, Ryan King. Yeah. You know, he, he's someone that uh, you know, <clears throat> coming in, a different type of receiver from Jalen Johnson, but as far as his body of work, you know, he had played a significant amount of snaps, but not that many catches. Uh, so I don't know. You know, Georgia Tech had some quarterback issues and uh, don't know how exactly, you know, don't know if that was more you know, on his development or just the way he was being utilized. So um, he's someone I think – Six four, at least six three, six four, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna can, be honest. He can, he can perhaps be one of those um, pieces that we're saying that we need. Kyle, what were you about to say, Kyle? I think we lost. I think yeah, we lost. Kyle. Kyle. Kyle was about to say something. I, you know, the one thing I'll say about King from Georgia Tech is 
when you come into a new system in spring football like this, you know, it, it takes some time to learn the system. And right. football football is not a game you can play when you're thinking. Like when you're playing football and you're trying to figure out, all right, what is the route? You know, what's the hot route? What When you're trying to be in communication with your quarterback, it's really almost impossible to play football that way. So my point is I think he's going to get better and better as he acclimates to the system. Sounds like he had some ups and downs this spring, which is totally to be expected. I mean, yeah. that, that's what you have to expect. But he's going to get a ton of seven-on-seven seven work this summer. He's going to get a fall camp. And you just hope that, you know, by the time the season comes around, he's ready to go. I'm, I, tef- I definitely agree with you, Matt. I think um, what you were talking about, that he's a guy that can be – for him uh, to come in the system and, like you said, transfer from Georgia Tech. Um, but anyway, I, I really – I'm I'm excited about – I don't know about you guys, but I'm really excited about spring uh, football and how everything turned out other than the weather. Uh, one, Hey, by the way, guys, I want to make a point about baseball. I just realized I forgot. Speaking of the weather, um, that gave us – by the bad weather actually gave us a break. It gave us an extra day that we normally wouldn't have. And so um, that's uh, – we had – instead of one day, we had two days. Uh, so I think every little bit, that will help us get ready, I really believe, for um, Old Dominion, right? I certainly think so. And you guys you guys talking about the RPI before really kind of highlights how big of a game this, this is coming up. Yeah, we need everybody. I'm going to be there. We need everybody there on Tuesday night. Uh, just simply go to ECU pirates.com call the ticket office during the week business hours nine to five one eight hundred dollar ecu let's get a lot of people there even some walk-ups maybe if you say i'm not sure it'll be a game time decision before first pitch uh bub off the top of my head was that six o'clock first start uh a first pitch i mean i believe so normally this time of year that you know the nc state game with it being on espnu was an exception with the 5.30 first pitch. Six yep, 6 o'clock. But, but yeah, I, I was in the process of looking it up, and it is 6, as we thought. And then for Cincinnati, 6 o'clock on Friday, 4 o'clock on Saturday, and 1 o'clock for the series finale on Sunday. No doubt. And uh, by the way, guys, while we have a chance, Thursday night we have a huge show at Porky's Backyard Barbecue. We have a really big concert. We, If you love Elvis like I do, Wayne Euless. He was with us last year. He's coming to do a dinner show on Thursday night at Porky's. And tickets, get this, guys. Hey, Matt, we were talking about buffets earlier, right? Check this out. You get to see the show, and uh, the show is around $20. But for the whole night for to get in for the dinner, which is all you can eat, I said all you can eat buffet and the show, 30 bucks. I don't think that's bad. And he puts on a really good performance for about like an hour, hour and a half, so. Um, it's going to be a great night Thursday night at Porky's Backyard Barbecue in Williamston. And uh, make sure you uh, give them a call. There, A whole bunch of people are starting to call. They had 20 calls today, by the way, guys, uh, on Easter Sunday. So um, there's only 80 tickets to be sold. So if you're going to do it, you better go ahead and do it now at Porky's Backyard Barbecue. That's a hell of a deal right there. So hopefully people step up and are able to make it. Uh, if I was local, I'd be there with you, Dave. And then Friday, speaking of local, I wish you guys could be here. Friday is my 50th birthday, and we're actually having uh, my good friends, Eddie, 
and Melissa Fields is DJ Eddie Melissa too. They're bringing Vinyl Night to the Main Street stage. We'll have that up on our social media as well. But they, I put that up there last night. They're going to be here on Friday night. It's actually second Friday at the Main Street stage where they have music and have entertainment. Um, but it's my 50th birthday, so we're billing it as that's what um, the head of the chamber and people said. You know, tell everybody it's your birthday party. Come on out and let's have a great time, and we're going to have a lot of fun. That's Friday night. And that'll be around six o'clock, six to like nine or seven to 10. But come on out like at six right after work. And it's family friendly. You can bring your kids. It's going to be a lot of fun. Down streets, uh, the, that's the Main Street stage. Down, downtown Williams is a really busy week, guys. And we got all our stuff with the pirate coverage. So, um, and I work my full time job like you guys. So it's going to be a little nuts this week. Yeah. And also want to promote some of our upcoming content. Uh... Okay. Tomorrow night, so you'll have Coach C, um, former East Carolina strength and conditioning coach Jeff Connors, and we'll have Big Ed Watkins, one of your former teammates, Matt, on absolute absolute empowerment. So uh, Ed's always entertaining. So um, listen to Big Ed with Coach C uh, tomorrow night at seven o'clock. If you're listening, uh, viewing live, and then. Um, Ed's very, let me just cut in really quick. I got to get a plug for my guy. Uh, Ed Watkins, very entertaining guy. Really yeah. smart. He's uh, he's funny to you know to listen to. I, I'm trying to get him on this show. Ed, if you're listening, you need to come on this show because I'd love to have him. I know you guys would too. So uh, that'll that'll be fun to listen to. Yeah, very entertaining, and um, you know, I think he could carry on a conversation with himself, and I mean that in a complimentary complimentary way the guy's a talker and uh if you, if you hey Matt, I, know, I, I know what i know that you guys know what i'm talking about like when you when you see one of his uh, promos that he has on facebook or, or uh, social media for uh, ed watkins marine yeah if i had my own business and i needed somebody like a spokesman you know to do some uh some advertising on radio or tv i'd hire ed in a second. Oh my God. His, yeah. He could sell ice to, <laughs> and you had people up in Alaska and <laughs> um, man, he is, uh, he is great. In fact, uh, he's doing a really well with Ed Watkins Marine. Ed, we'd love for you to be a sponsor too. I'm just going to put it out there. If you, and in, in fact, all our listeners right now and viewers, if you have a business and you want to be a, a part of the TSO nation, then uh, certainly you can uh, hit us up and we'd love to look out for you and uh, grow your business because over the last five years we've really grown and we're going to, the good news is we're only going to get better just like the pirates are, are getting uh, better as well. Do you have guys have anything before we go? Also? Um, yeah, we'll be talking football uh, sometime tomorrow uh, time to be determined you know, early, early evening um, probably. But um, since we were unable to attend the purple gold game, I reached out to Brandon Simmons, uh, former pirate running back, also uh, Gary Freeman, former East Carolina offensive lineman, and then Jawarren Blair, who now goes by Jay Blair. Um, you know, the three of them are going to come on and, and provide perspective. You know, they all three you know, different positions, and then all took in yesterday's Purple Gold game. They are at Dowdy Ficklin, so uh, we'll get their thoughts and pick their brain, you know, on the state of the program overall, but then also the 2023 team. And hopefully this week we can work it out on us, not him. Uh, Ryan Robinson, uh, we're going to have him on uh, soon. We're, uh, our scheduling has not been able to 
have him on this not him it's us so uh, hopefully we can have him on this week or sometime soon but i know that's going to be great uh get your get your season tickets folks this is a crucial time uh, it's one of the ways that we fund all the sports is through uh the money we make with football uh so we do that uh ecupirates.com uh you can get your tickets uh for that for not only for baseball but obviously season tickets and um you know, call them one eight hundred dollar ECU. Speaking of baseball, Bubba, we've got to get our PGX pitcher of the week. Yeah, and going back to our PGXGloves.com pitcher of the week, you know, this week it was really really tough. I mean, you had the the relief outing of Jake Hunter that was so instrumental in the Pirates' thirteen to nine win over NC State, allowing us to to score those seven unanswered runs in the mid to late innings on Tuesday, and then you had. Um, a solid relief performance um, by by some others. Uh, you had three quality starts from your Savage and Spivey and Groves, as you always do. And, but um, and we went with a guy who um, was roughed up a bit on Tuesday, but he bounced back, had an excellent outing, went two and two-thirds, um, uh, really held UCF um, off the board there in the late innings. In extra innings, I mean, as the Pirates were able to pull out the the three to two win in twelve, and um, congratulations to to Tony Ginn, two and two thirds, shut out baseball, just allowing two hits and striking out five, um, earning the win in relief. So congratulations to uh, to Tony Ginn uh, on that honor. No doubt, really proud for him and uh, Matt. I know that. He's a guy that's, uh, we talked about the pitching. He's really stepped up and appreciate uh, coach. The coach is really working hard. Player development at East Carolina is is just amazing in all the sports, how hard our coaches work in this particular case with baseball. Austin Knight, and coach, and how about with Coach Godwin, and then Palumbo being the recruit, recruiting coordinator, they all have done a nice job reloading every single year. So uh, congrats to that. Hey, Matt, do you have anything before we go, bro? No, hey, just looking forward to uh, more success on the diamond this week for Pirate Baseball and also looking forward to uh, continuing the conversation about the progress of the football team and, uh, you know, where we sit after spring ball. And, you know, I love talking about the portal, so that'll be a big part of the conversation too. But uh, looking forward to a good week. No doubt. Uh, good luck to the Diamond Bucks. And obviously, our softball, all our spring sports are doing very well. Really proud of that. And, uh, and if you need any information, just go to ecpirates.com for that. All right, we'll get out of here. I want to thank our great sponsors real quick, and we'll get out of here. Uh, first off, I want to thank Next Level Training Center. Man, I'll tell you what, Trent and Gaynell, Brett, they've been, this is like our third season in a row, they've been our title sponsor, and we appreciate them very much. Just go to nextleveltc.com. Give them a call at 252-756-NEXT. And how about pgxgloves.com? I want to tell you something, folks. I believe in next level. And, of course, I believe in PGX. Mark Minikazi says with my hat, they look 10 years younger with my PGX gloves hat that I had on. But also they have custom baseball gloves, the batting gloves, uh, football gloves, swag apparel, and more. And guess what, guys? I put the promo code in, ECU, and I got 25% off. When you look at their quality of work that they have, and then you, you put that up against the, the name, you quote unquote name brands. The price point is awesome. 
Plus, you're getting quality stuff that really stands out. When I say stands out in a good way, it's uh, amazing stuff. Just go to pgxgloves.com. Don't take my word for it. Go there and check it out. All right. We'll uh, appreciate everybody tonight. I want to thank Bubba, Matt, Kyle. I want to thank all of you watching and listening, whether it's live or archived. Hope everybody had a great Easter. Let's have a great week. You've been watching and listening to the Sports Objective Extra Innings presented by Next Level Training Center. Good night, everybody. And as always, go Pirates. Hey, Pirate Nation, this is former East Carolina pitcher Davey Penny of the Keith LeClaire era, class of 2003. Keep it tuned to the Sports Objective as you follow our Diamond Bucks on the road to Omaha, because y'all know we're going. That concludes this week's edition of Extra Innings, presented by Next Level Training Center on the Sports Objective. Join us next Sunday night as we will once again talk East Carolina Pirate Baseball. Be sure to follow the show on social media, at the Sports OBJ on Twitter, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Listen to the show pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. As always, we appreciate you tuning into the show. Go Pirates!